Hey guys, Jacob Eggers here. Have you thought about making a podcast of your own, like Holy Fire with Jacob Eggers? You have? Oh, let me tell you how I do it, guys. I use Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. It doesn't cost you a dime at all. It's amazing. That's why I use it. I don't have to pay anything. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When I first started this show, I started it with my phone and some uh, headphones with a microphone plugged into it. Now I'm using a computer. Computer is the best way to do it, in my opinion. But you can use your phone. doesn't matter. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And let me tell you, Spotify has really been helping with uh, getting my message out there. Why? Because of Anchor. Thank you, Anchor. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, how do you do this? Download the free Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi everybody, this is the uh, very first episode of Holy Fire with uh, with Jacob Eggers. uh, For this first episode, what uh, uh, I'm going to eventually get into is sharing my testimony and uh, hope that 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 through my testimony that the Holy Spirit can bear witness to your spirit that Jesus is Lord. Uh, But before I get into my testimony, I just want to explain the mission of this podcast. First and foremost, it is to spread the gospel. To preach repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. uh, To bear witness that Jesus is Lord. That he is the son of the living God. That he died on the cross for our sins. That he rose from the grave after three days. And that he is now at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, he has sent a helper to us. The Holy Spirit. To lead us and guide us into all truth. Uh... That's the mission of this podcast. I hope uh, you guys will enjoy this. Uh, But for this episode, I just want to share my testimony with you. And explain to you uh, the man that God has, has turned me into. The man that he has raised me into. Uh, So when I was uh, a child, I, I always had a deep fondness for the Lord. He, he was the light of my life. He was my true joy. Uh, I was conceived in wedlock. I was at my parents' wedding. My parents' marriage did not last long. Uh, my parents uh, ended up splitting up when I was around two years old. Uh my mother was not around very much in my life. And I'm not saying this to belittle my mother. I'm saying this because it's true. I love that woman with the bottom of my heart. 
She is my mother, and I honor her still to this day. But she left, she left, and there was a void. Because uh, I, I remember as a child being on the phone with her. Dad had custody of us. And I remember being on the phone with my mother, her saying, Jacob, uh, I'll be there in an hour to pick up you and Jesse. Jesse being my younger brother. She had custody of my older brother because we have different fathers. So my father was not allowed to have custody of my older brother, Darwin. She would never show up. I'd be on my knees looking out the window waiting for my mother to show up for her to never arrive. So that left a void. But with that made me seek God so that he would come in and fill the void. Now, as a child, me and the father who raised me on his own, he and I did not have much of a relationship either because he was so infatuated with my younger brother, referring to my younger brother as the great white hope for the family because he was an honor roll student and this and that. So I kind of felt left out. Mom had the older brother. Dad had the younger brother. Who's got Jacob? Who's got me? And the only person at that time I could count on to truly be there and spend time with me was the Lord. I, I would go and sit out in the yard and just look up at the sky and tell the Lord about my day. Uh, I think it was in the mid-90s, my mother actually started doing better and having a relationship with my younger brother and I, and I was so happy for it because I believe it was a answer to my prayers. It was something I had been praying for for a long time was to have my mother in my life. Uh, but then <laughs> in the late 90s, I think 98, 99, uh, maybe even 2000, we were told the news that my mother had been diagnosed with cancer. It was cervical cancer, but that time it wasn't called cervical cancer. All we knew was she had cancer in her bladder. And so I grew up in a lot of Word of Faith church, uh, charismatic Pentecostals, believing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I, I still stand by those to this day. Uh, and uh, I was clinging onto that scripture, by his stripes, we are healed by his stripes we are healed i was praying for a miracle god save my mother's life save her life save her life save her life save her life <clears throat> the prayer was answered just not in the way that i wanted it to be answered because my mother really had no relationship with the Lord. And in 2002, late 2002, a woman began to, who came into my mother's life, uh, who I am thankful for. Uh, her name was Shelly. Shelly ended up striking up a friendship with my mother. And led my mother to the Lord. Uh, led my mother to repentance. And 
got a pastor from a church in this area, which this is Martinsville, Indiana. And there's a church in this area called Hoosier Harvest Church with Pastor Chris Page. And this Shelly got Chris Page to baptize my mother before she passed away. Now, with that, though, like I said, my mother passed away. She died February 18th, 2003. This rocked me to the core. I... I, my faith began to dwindle and almost became completely dead. What was once a roaring fire was now just ash with barely any smoke rising out of it. The older I got, the more the farther away I would get from the Lord. I became as what my dad would call wishy-washy. I was high one moment, low the next. My emotions were a hot mess. One moment I was believing, and the next moment I was doubting, questioning God. Uh, I even remember uh, throwing away a Bible and my dad yanking it out of the trash and tossing it on the table before me, saying, you're going to need this again someday. And at that point, I, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was angry with God. I felt betrayed by God. Not knowing that all these emotions and these feelings that I had towards God was nothing but lies. I remember uh, I was 22. It was 2012. I was working for Aaron's Rent to Own. And one of my co-workers, uh, his name is Ahmed G. Muhammad, a Muslim man. Born in Egypt, moved to the States when he was seven, served in the United States Marine Corps. And so, out of curiosity, I was asking him questions about Islam to have a better understanding so I wouldn't be ignorant and intolerant uh, towards those people because a lot of people think they know what they're talking about when they're talking about Muslims and they don't know what they're talking about at all. And as we began to talk, he asked me a question. He goes, well, what do you believe? And I told him, well, when I was young, I was a Christian. But after my mom passed away, I lost faith in God. I kid you not, guys. We He puts his tools down. He gets nose to nose with me. He's got his finger in my face. He says, I don't care if you're Jew, Christian, or Muslim. You never lose faith in God. As I look back at that, I say to myself, how desperate was God for me that he tried getting my attention with a Muslim? You know, Isaiah says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He'll use foolish things to try to get our attention. Things that don't make sense to our understanding, to our doctrines, to what we've been taught. But he'll do whatever it takes to get your attention. I, I you know, ended up on drugs. Uh, my, my biggest demon was alcohol. I drank and I drank and I drank. I drank. Uh... Pretty much with the goal, hoping that one day that it would kill me. I, I had no desire to live anymore, did not want to live, 
was looking forward to being buried next to my mother as soon as possible. I hated life. I hated everything about it. Nothing was going right. I finally hit my rock bottom in 2016. I was heading back towards Martinsville. I was on 67 South. My car broke down as I was turning onto 39 Bypass to get back into town. I was coming back from Indianapolis. My car broke down. No insurance on the car at all. I had a firearm in the glove box. I had drugs on my possession. And all I could think about for the first 15 minutes was taking that Cobra 380 I had and offing myself. Because I felt there was no escape from this life that I've been living. There's no escape from the depression. There was no escape for getting out. But something something stopped me. I, I, I couldn't pull the trigger. Both physically and spiritually. I could not bring myself to, to take action on that. As much as I wanted it. And I wanted it bad. I couldn't do it. Eventually a friend saw my car broke down as I was walking away. And he ends up helping me pulling my vehicle to my father's house. <clears throat> A week later, uh, I'm, I'm doing a task for my father on the rental house, which was the house he grew up in, squaring the shingles up to get ready for a metal roof. And I'm having a difficult time doing this. And it's my first time trying to do this, and I really don't understand what I'm doing. And I said out loud, nothing's working. This, these tools aren't working. Nothing's working. And then I follow up with, man, nothing in life is working right now. So I got off that roof, I put away the tools, I put away the ladder, I found the first King James Bible I could find. I went to a church here in Martinsville called Mana Mission. I went and sat in the second to last pew in the back. So nobody would mess with me, I just wanted to be alone. I read about two chapters in the Bible, I hit my knees and I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you... I was not sanctified or purified or made holy in that instant. But what did happen was the relationship had been restored. Communication began to open up between the Father and I once again. And it's been amazing. I began to hear his voice mightily like never before. You know, I had heard it numerous times in my life. Most of the time, I would just ignore it. And this is what a lot of us do when we hear his voice, that still small voice, where you rationalize it and say, oh, that's just a thought. Matter of fact, and this is my belief, uh, I believe all thoughts come from one spirit or another, whether it's a demonic spirit, our spirit, or the Holy Spirit. Uh do with that as you will. I believe what I just said is gospel truth. Uh, so I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. Uh, the spirit began to move. Like I said, I began to hear his voice in mightily ways. And 
it, it became really profound when me and my dad began to put on this metal roof that I was telling you about. Uh, the first day we started working on it, later on in the day, it began to storm, raining like crazy. The storm paused for a moment. Now, we, we had a piece that we had just put on that had one screw in it. As the rain paused for a moment, my dad goes outside. There's sheets of metal for the roof flat on the ground. He scoots his feet across it says, oh, it's not that bad. I say to my dad, dad, it's flat on the ground. Of course it's not that bad. But that pitch, it's a slip and slide. Goes, oh, that's nothing. Uh, I had the ladder set up on the deck to the front porch of that house in which we we built that deck and we ended up using rebar for spindling because it was redneck and looked cool and it does look cool uh he gets on the roof i get on the ladder i don't get on the roof i'm staying right there on that ladder even though he's wanting me to get up on that roof i'm like the smartest man i know is about to do the dumbest thing i've ever seen as he's on the roof, I hear the voice of the Lord say to me, Jacob, get on the ground and get ready. I stayed right there on that ladder. I ignored what I heard. I rationalized it and said it was a thought. My dad gets two screws and that sheet of metal. He goes to put the third screw in, loses the screw... And his feet fall away. He's coming off that roof very quick. I even grabbed him by his wrist for a moment until I heard, let go or you're going to fall off and break your back. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I let go. He hit the side rail of that dick. He had just bought a new phone case that was indestructible. Broke within an instant. Messed him up pretty good. Matter of fact, and I'm going to say this. That man still has not gone to the hospital for that since. He's gone to the hospital, but he hasn't gone there for that. Uh, that night, I could not sleep a wink. Uh, I tossed and turned, and I have come to learn from my past life that when I have trouble sleeping, the man upstairs wants to have a talk. So I sat up, and I said to him, What? Do you want to talk about? And clear as day, as you're hearing my voice, I heard this. Jacob, you fear your dad more than you fear me. As soon as I heard that conviction came over me, I began to weep uncontrollably. I repented. And It, it, it ignited the fire and the passion. This voice that's speaking to me from out of nowhere. I want to know you more. Is what began to move inside of me. And I want to know what you want me to do for you. And one of the things he wanted me to do was go and tell my dad to repent. Oh, no, 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 Lord. You, you need to actually get somebody who's ordained who actually has authority in this and that and he that that same voice the voice of the lord the holy spirit challenged me and saying jacob 
what's the holdup? And then that's when I told him, Lord, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. He could hit me. He could do this. He could do that. And that's when the Lord says, Jacob, fear not. I am with you. And as soon as I heard that, I knew that I could go and I could do this thing. Whenever the Lord comes to me and gives me a task, ever since then, and there's times where I wrestle with him, and it always comes down to the same answer every time, Lord, I'm afraid. And then he comes back to me with, Jacob, fear not, I am with you. And then I move and I go because I know that the guy, the being, the Lord himself, the great I am, that's the key. He's always saying, I am. It's not Jacob, this is the Lord thy God. He calls me out by name, begins to discuss something with me. I'll tell him the issue why I'm having trouble doing it. And then he follows up with, but Jacob, I am with you. And when he says that to me, I have the utmost confidence that things are about to move, that mountains are about to come down, that giants are going to be slain. Ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Oh, help me, Jesus. Let's keep this back on the testimony. There was another voice that came to spoke to me that night concerning this whole telling Dad to repent. And I thought it was I was still talking to the same voice because this voice was quoting scripture telling me that, hey, if he doesn't receive the message, you are to kick the dirt off from your shoes and leave that as a witness. I delivered the message to my dad. He listened, but he wasn't receptive. I'll leave it at that. So in my heart, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to kick the dirt off from my feet. Mind you, I only had an hour of sleep. I fell asleep at 6.30 in the morning, got woke up at 7.30 in the morning. My dad, like I said, was not receptive. I'm thinking I'm going to have to kick off the dirt from my feet. But instead, what did I do? I ended up getting on that roof and helping him get the ball rolling to finish up that job because he was not physically fit to even climb up. He's like, I'm just going to sit on the ground and I'm going to instruct you how to do it. Now, later that night, that night, I went to man a mission to pray, to seek guidance from the Lord. I asked him, Lord, did I sin? Because I heard this other voice quoting this scripture to me and come to find out I now know who that voice is. I went to the altar and I prayed to the Lord, Lord, did I sin by helping my father with that roof today? And this is what he said to me. He says, Jacob, I told you to deliver the message. I did not tell you to kick the dirt off from your feet. My sheep know my voice, and no other voice will they listen to. That's giving me cold chills saying that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who have heard me tell this testimony, when I get to that point, my sheep know my voice. And no other voice will they listen to. People get cold chills for some reason. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. My sheep know my voice. And no other voice will they listen to. That other voice that was quoting scripture to me. Was a demonic spirit. Scripture says that love. Covers a multitude of sins. And perfect love. Cast out all fear. Uh. As I 
So the voice kept getting crazier and crazier with me. It began to reveal many things. And in time, I'll begin in future episodes of this podcast. I will reveal those things to you. <coughs> 2018. We're going to jump a couple of years. 2018. Late 2018. Around September, October. The Lord speaks to me and says, Jacob, I need you to leave Indiana. I need you to leave the land of your father and then go. Take very few things, only what you can carry on your back, a Bible, and something that you can refill for water. So I ended up getting a wineskin from Rule King so I could fill it up with cold water. Uh, you know, I had no money, left with no money. Uh, but I did that. But this this was another one of those things where I wrestled with him for for three days about going on this 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 walk that he was telling me to go on. And once again, the reason I didn't want to go was because I was afraid. Fear not, I am with you. All right, let's go. So I go walking. Uh, that first night, I end up. Sleeping underneath a bridge in Bloomington. Matter of fact, that's where he told me to go. I was laying, going to sleep nearby this bridge. Where I'm talking about is close to where the Ken Nunn Law Office is at. If you're familiar with the Bloomington, Indiana area. If you're listening to this and you live in that area, you'll know where I'm talking about. So I, I was actually going to sleep underneath the stars. And I heard the Lord said, no, go underneath that bridge because it's going to rain. Everything you need's underneath that ridge. I'm like, everything I need, there was woods and brick to build a fire to keep me warm through the night. It was amazing. God provides all our needs through his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, the next day, I, you know, I, I, I just went walking. It was raining quite a bit. I had some people help me out with a ride. Eventually, I get close to Lagodi. And I realized that, you know, I got family that lives nearby this area. So I call my, my Aunt Donna, her and her husband, my Uncle Jim. They came and got me. I ended up staying with them in southern Indiana. Taswell, I believe, is the area that, that they're at. I stayed with them for a couple months thinking, you know what? I got out of the land of my father. I got out of Martinsville. I got out of Morgan County. I'm in a new place. I ended up having a dream, so I stayed there till about December, and I had a dream. I wasn't feeling good one day. I took a nap. This wasn't like a bedtime dream. This was a nap time dream. So I had a dream, and I saw this tent, not like the tents we make today for camping. This was like what they probably had in ancient Israel in ancient times. You know, this was a, a, a house for the time. And there was smoke coming out from the top of the tent. And I heard a voice from inside the tent call out to me and says, come in. So I go in. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sitting around a fire, drinking and eating lamb and fellowshipping. And then Abraham stretches out his right hand and says to me, have a seat. So I sit down, I began to eat and drink and fellowship with them. And I was more interested in Abraham 
than Isaac and Jacob, because Abraham is the father of the faith. And faith is one of my favorite subjects in all the scriptures to talk about. When the My favorite doctrine, my favorite theological thing to talk about is faith. And as you're listening to this, I'm actually writing a book on faith. When I'll give you more t- details when it's ready. But that's not what this episode is about. This is about my testimony, which a lot of the testimony will be in that book on faith. <laughs> I said to Abraham that I want to be just like you. And Abraham says, be yourself, but my faith I give to you. I'm like, huh, that's pretty profound. He says, then he says, the good shepherd is about to arrive. The good king is coming. I'm thinking, is this some type of end time message that you're telling me? And then somebody else walks into a tent, into the tent we're at. He sits down with us and begins to fellowship with us and eat and drink. And then that man says, come with me. Now, the the, the feeling I had was, I don't want to go. I want to stay here in the tent with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't want to keep going. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to travel with you. And that's what now was starting to speak to me was I've come to this place. I don't want to go any farther. I don't want to uh, remove myself from this tent. But he's like, come with me, come. So that's what I did. I didn't stay in the tent. I didn't want to leave it, but I did to follow this man who I now know was Jesus. This man was Jesus. And Jesus was telling me, come with me. We get outside the tent and I see this big field and sheep scattered everywhere he says i need you to go round them in i need you to go and bring them in they're lost and they need to come home and i need you to go out there and find them and round them up a week later i was on foot again ended up in kentucky that first day when i left my my aunt and uncle's house in taswell i was in kentucky that night Once again, left with zero dollars. I had one gentleman who picked me up. uh, Ended up... uh, I I received a lot of money along the way. Not once did I ask people to give me money. I didn't beg. I was just walking and trusting the Lord. And a lot of people just... They were asking me, you know, why am I out walking? Like, because God told me to. Here's a hundred dollars. Here's five dollars. Here's ten dollars. Here's nine dollars. Here's a jacket. Here's some uh, goldfish crackers. It was amazing. But the guy who gave me the hundred dollars says, "Hey, if you find a motel for the night, I suggest that you stay there." I'm like, "Well, the chances of me finding a hotel are slim to none." Uh, about an hour later, I come across the motel and end up staying there for the night. Now, mind you, when I left, I had. No destination. I don't know where I'm going. Matter of fact, I started to make up my own destination that, you know, I was going to go to West Monroe, Louisiana, get a job for the duck commander, marry into the family, and be set for the rest of my life. But that first night in that, that night in that motel is when the Lord spoke to me. He says, Jacob, you shall go to Kansas City, Missouri. You shall go to the International House of Prayer. You shall worship me there. I'm like, huh. 
So this would have been December 21st. So this was a Friday. Uh, the next day, I, I went walking again. I When I woke up, I ate the continental breakfast because I, I didn't know when I was going to eat again or how I was going to get food. So I'm like, I might as well take this time, eat their food, and get rolling. So that's what I did. Uh, I ended up being picked up by this family. I had to ride in the back of the truck. The husband, the father of that family, he gave me this jacket, which I still have. It's this brown jacket with this red liner in it. And we go through Owenboro, Kentucky. And he says, hey, there's a shelter in this town. Because I'm telling him, like, hey, I, I got to go to Kansas City, Missouri. And he says, well, if it gets too bad, come back to this town. And in that town, that's where the Bluegrass Hall of Fame is at. Uh, he says, there's a shelter. It'd be a warm, safe place for you to stay the night. I'm like, all right, but I'm probably going to end up making a camp somewhere, which that is what happened. You know, I kept walking and around six thirty, seven o'clock, I said, Lord, Hey, you're going to have to point me out of place to make camp. Cause I, I can't keep walking much farther. My legs are about to give up. I'm, I'm tired, Lord. I'm worn out. It says, you're going to come across a crossroads. There'll be a liquor store on the corner. I want you to dip down. There's a ditch behind that liquor store. Just like in Bloomington, he said, everything you'll need will be there. There were stones and wood to build a fire. So I made a camp, set up my tent. I had a little tinfoil pop-up tent that I was using. Uh, I stayed there for the night, ate some pork and beans, slept like a baby. But as I was sleeping, a temptation came telling me to go back to that town where that shelter was at. And this is how I knew it was a temptation because it began to, excuse me, entice me to not only go there to stay warm and be comfortable because I'm hearing coyotes howling in the distance. It was trying to put fear in me and entice me to go back and then possibly get established as a bluegrass country western singer. Because I, I I do sing very well. And I have a twang that's very similar to Hank Williams Sr. You know, if I ever sing in the church, they, when they ask me what key do you sing in, I tell them I sing in the key of honky-tonk. You know, uh, one of my favorite songs to sing is the hymn in the garden. And I come to the garden alone while the dew. It's still on the roses And the voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me And He talks with me And He tells me I am His own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known see there's a twang to it so this this voice this spirit was enticing me to go back shelter get established and that's when i told it no the lord told me to go to kansas city missouri and to worship him there Next morning, I get woke up by a county deputy telling me, oh, this is private property. 
uh, where you're trying to get to. I'm like, Kansas City, Missouri. They end up giving me a ride to the end of the county. I keep walking about 20 minutes later. And now, mind you, this is December 23rd. This is a Sunday, Sunday before Christmas. I said out loud to the Lord, I'm like, hmm, yeah, the chances of me getting to church on the Sunday before Christmas is slim to none. About three or five minutes later, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me, Jacob, you shall come across a small country church. You shall go there, and you shall worship me there. All right. 20 minutes later, I come across that church. It's called Reed Community Church in Reed, Kentucky. They asked me what I was doing. I said, uh, well, I'm actually on my way to Kansas City, Missouri, to the International House of Prayer to worship the Lord there. But he told me today that I was going to come across this church and that I'm supposed to worship him in this church today. Like, huh, that's amazing. So we sat in, I sat in with their, their Sunday school class and then their service. And repeatedly, Pastor Guy King, I don't know if he's still pastoring there or not. I hope he is. I, I would like to get a hold of those people here soon to let them know the full story and how it continued on. Uh, he asked me at the end of his, his sermon, he goes, where are you going again? I'm like, Kansas City, Missouri. International House of Prayer to worship the Lord. He goes, huh? He takes the collection plate, takes up an offering for me. He says, this is for you, young man. (sighs) I had to humble myself to take that money. I did not want to touch it. But he said, this is to lighten the load. Into easing your burden. I did not realize that what he was saying was prophetic. In that service, I heard the Lord tell me that, you know, somebody was going to offer me a place to stay for the night and that I was not to refuse it. I was thinking it was going to be somebody in that church. They even told me afterwards, hey, you should stick around. We're having a Christmas dinner after service. I'm like, awesome. Because what you guys are probably going to be blessing me with is better than what I was going to eat because I was going to eat pork and beans. After I got done eating, I thanked them for their hospitality and for letting me worship the Lord with them. And then I began to walk my way. About 20 minutes later, this big white Ford F-250 pulls up beside me. (laughs) They're like, where are you heading? I'm like, Kansas City, Missouri. He goes, huh? Well, I'm glad I picked you up because you're heading in the wrong direction. I'm like, excuse me? He says, well, you're going to have to go back through Indiana, go through Illinois, and that's how you're going to get to Kansas City, Missouri. You're going to have to go through St. Louis on my Jamity Christmas. I was just going to walk west and see what happens. If I got to swim across the river, I didn't care. This man became infatuated with trying to help me get to Kansas City. We go to a Walmart 
And he's asking me if there's anything, you know, I had need of. I'm like, well, I, I've been fighting a toothache. So he bought me some stuff for my tooth. And, excuse me. Excuse me. Ooh. Sciences. Uh, so as we're walking through the aisles, he turns around. He looks at me and goes, hey, uh, I don't know if you'd be interested, but would you like to stay the night with us tonight? As soon as he said that, I go, you're the one. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, when I was at that church, that Reed Community Church in Reed, Kentucky, the Lord told me that somebody was going to offer me a place to stay tonight that I wasn't supposed to turn it down. You're the one. He was blown away. He's like, man, we got to find a way to get you to Kansas City. He goes, we're going to go to my grandma's house. She's a good God-fearing woman. Maybe she'll know what to do. Uh, As we're heading to his grandmother's house, I heard the Lord say, Bus ticket. It's like, huh. We get to his grandma's house. He now has me telling this story up to that point to her. And her answer is, well, I don't know what to do. Huh. So that's why I said, is there a bus station nearby? And that's when his grandmother goes, you know, that reminds me one time. Your grandfather picked up a man who was walking with a puppy dog. He picked him up and and asked him what he was doing. He says, well, I'm heading to Georgia to give this puppy to my kids for Christmas. So your grandfather bought that man a bus ticket. That's what old boy did. He's he's in tears. That's what I got to do. I got to buy this guy a bus ticket. And I remember the Lord told me, fear not, I am with you. He, He actually lives right across the street in a trailer from his grandmother's. We get over there, get to talking. Then some people show up and his demeanor began to change. This man ended up doing meth in this house. And there's a reason why I'm not revealing these people's name because I'm not in the business of shaming. But I'm going to tell this story truthfully. He began to ask me to do some miracles, some signs of wonders. I'm like, oh, Lord, what have you got me into? He says, hey, this is the plan. We're going to go to Evansville. We're going to spend the night in a uh, in a hotel, part of this casino. I'm going to gamble. You can get you some sleep. Uh, I'll have the ticket for you in the morning. When you wake up, you go straight to the bus station. I'm like, all right. As soon as we got in that hotel, I was, I was ready to go to sleep. I was worn out from all the walking that I'd been doing. Uh, they bought the ticket, but I left before getting any information, any confirmation number, nothing. Uh, so I get to that bus station. I'm there for a couple hours and a guy for the city of Evansville came and was running off anybody, any homeless people who were staying there. No loitering. And he's like, are you here for the Greyhound? I'm like, yep. He goes, you got a confirmation number? I'm like, a what? He goes, confirmation number. You got to have a confirmation number. It's like, man, I don't I don't have a confirmation number. Somebody else bought the ticket. This is my first time taking a Greyhound. He goes, well, good luck. You might be able to get it with your ID, but I don't think you will. And he was right. I tried to get that ticket with just my ID, and he wouldn't give it to me. 
the guy who was working in the station, the guy who was clearing the people out, did not work for Greyhound or that bus station. He worked for the city of Evansville. Uh, so I'm now sitting outside trying to figure out what I'm going to do. My pen, I'm stranded in Indiana. And I'm actually now trying to find a way to get back home to Martinsville. Because if I'm going to be stranded in Indiana on Christmas, I might as well be stranded with my family. And then the Lord said to me, Jacob, do you believe I can make a way where there seems to be no other way? Absolutely I do. Everything that you have shown me on this walk, I believe and doubt not. It says, go in the bus station, talk to the man, ask questions. And that's what I did. I asked the man how much a ticket from Evansville to Kansas City was. And I can't remember the amount because I couldn't afford it. But then he tells me that uh, a ticket to St. Louis was twenty-something dollars. I'm like sold because I, I uh, had a little over a hundred dollars, or actually no, I had already spent some with you know getting drinks and cigarettes. I was still smoking at this time. Uh. So, at 1 o'clock, I left Evansville on my way to St. Louis. Ended up talking to uh, a brother on this bus named Glenn. We were having church the whole time, talking about Jesus, praising the Lord. And I'm telling him that I'm trying to get to Kansas City, but I'll probably have to spend the night in St. Louis at a shelter, and then in the morning, walk the rest of the way there. Now, he himself is heading to Kansas City. He just has to transfer over when he gets to the station. So we get to the Greyhound station in St. Louis, and he's giving me directions. He's like, hey, you're going to want to go this way, this way, because he knew where the a good shelter for me to stay at was. And out of nowhere, I go, wait, I wonder how much a bus ticket from St. Louis to Kansas City is. He goes, there's only one way for you to find out, brother. So I go in. There's the woman working the counter, and there's another woman who works there, co-worker, and they're just talking. And I, I walk up and politely said, hey, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was wondering if I can get some information. She goes, what can I do for you? I asked, I go, well, how much is a ticket from St. Louis to Kansas City? She says, the next one leaves at 630. It's 30-something dollars. I go, hmm, I can't afford that. She goes, the one after that is midnight. It's and I remember it was like $27. I said, sold. I'll take it. Now, the woman that she was talking to when I first walked up, she looks up at the sky and then looks at me three times in a row. And after the third time she looks at me from after looking at the sky, she says, honey, it's Christmas Eve. Your ticket says midnight, but you're leaving at 630. I'm going to go talk to the driver. So at 6.30, I'm leaving St. Louis on my way to Kansas City. I get to Kansas City around 11.30 Central Time, Christmas Eve. Now, technically, back home here in Indiana, it was already Christmas Day. But it was Christmas Eve, their time, when I got there. I stayed at a shelter that was right by the bus station. First chance I got to get my stuff, I got out of there, began asking directions for 
the International House of Prayer. The directions that I kept getting ended up actually taking me to IHOPU, which eventually I would end up working there at nights cleaning the floor uh, with the supervisor, Steve Pryor. You guys want to check my story, you can go over there and ask him. Uh, so I get to IHOPU, and there is a prayer room there. It's called the Global Prayer Room, but when I got there, it was closed. So I'm like rattling the doors. I'm like, I came all this way from nothing. I see one vehicle in the parking lot. I'm like, maybe there's somebody here that I can talk to. So I began walking, looking through the windows to see if I could see anybody. And I see this woman, and I, I, I knocked on the window, and I'm waving at her, looking all hobo as get out. Got a rabbi beard going on, uh, looking like a bum with all these bags. Because, you know, I had my backpack with some clothes in my Bible, a sleeping bag, and uh, the bag I was keeping the tent in, and the wineskin. She comes out, she goes, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I pretty much have walked all the way from Martinsville, Indiana to worship the Lord here, and y'all are closed. She goes, oh, honey, you're at the wrong prayer room. She began to tell me the directions to go. She goes, wait a minute. Give me a moment, I'll take you there. Now, when she comes out, she goes, you ready? I'm like, yeah. We get in the vehicle, and as we're starting to head, head to... uh the uh, the actual prayer room, the national prayer room. Uh, she says, "I think this this was by appointment." I go, "Well, I don't doubt that. This whole uh, my whole journey has been by appointment." She goes, "I think you're right because uh, I was supposed to come get these gifts because that when I saw her, she was messing with Christmas presents." said, I was supposed to come get these gifts last night, and I ended up putting it off. And I think the reason I ended up putting it off was for you. I'm like, it doesn't doubt me one bit. This whole journey has been under the direction of God. I left everything behind to chase after something that I didn't even know where I was going yet. I began to tell her the story up to that point. And that became a theme to anybody I began to tell this story to was, here's the story up to this point. And I told it to this person up to that point. And now I'm telling this story to you at this point. Because the story ain't over. It's still being written. But I ended up there. She got me to the prayer room. She asked me if I was here for the One Thing Conference. I didn't even know about a One Thing Conference. But she prayed that I would get a ticket about two and a half later hours later i had a ticket for the one thing conference went to the one thing conference ended up staying at hope city that's ran by uh ray and lisa stribling lisa is mike bickle's sister now mind you on my walk to kansas city i asked god to make a way where i could meet mike bickle i met mike bickle for the first time just a couple weeks before i turned 30 i turned 30 years old out there in kansas city I had Mike Bickle pray for me the Tuesday before that because I was turning 30. And everybody, a lot of people there was telling me the significance of turning 30 because when you turn 30 is when you actually enter into, the, in the Old Testament, that's when the priest entered the priesthood, and that's when Jesus started his ministry. Now, Isaac Bennett, who is uh, the pastor at the Forerunner Christian Fellowship, 
which is the church ministry connected to the prayer room ministry. They're two different ministries in connection with one another because they all started with Mike Bickle, all right? But Isaac is the head pastor. Now, from the moment that I arrived to the prayer room, Isaac was eyeballing me. And my first thought is like, I think this guy has a beef with me. Is there a problem? I don't know what's going on. The Sunday after I turned 30, which was actually, so my birthday is March the 16th. It was St. Patrick's Day. It was St. Patrick's Day. And Isaac Bennett does an altar call. And I go up there. And like I, I meant, as you heard me tell you, God wants to talk to me when I'm trying my hardest to sleep. He wakes me up just to reveal things to me. So Isaac comes up to me and says, you have the anointing of Samuel. God talks to you in your dreams. He wakes you from the sleep. I pray for an increase of this. And as I'm hearing this, I'm like, how does this dude know this? And why are you praying for more? I'm having a hard time getting to sleep. And I got things I got to get done in the daytime. And, but eventually uh, I ended up moving back to Indiana that summer. I got back in July. I've been back here for a little over a year now. And I've seen God move. He's continually moving. Uh, in time, you know, we'll, we'll, the testimony is still growing. It's still moving. God's still doing things. Uh, matter of fact, just Friday, he's finally, he has set me free my, from my addiction to cigarettes. So I praise him for that. Uh, and all he said was, Jacob, you're free. And I was, I was over it. I didn't seek, you know, I had been talking about quitting, but I didn't have the will to quit. And I didn't need to have the will to quit because he came and said, Jacob, you're free. And as soon as he said it, I believed and I didn't doubt. And so I'm now four days without a cigarette with no desire to ever touch it again. And I praise him for freedom. And if you're hearing that, he can do the same thing for you right now. I hope that this testimony does something for you as you listen to this. I, I hope it, it, it moves you, that it gives you courage, that it gives you faith, that it overcomes any fears that you have. As I began to bring this, this episode of the podcast to a close, I would like to say a prayer. All right? And if you would, if you're listening to this, join along with me. Pray where you're at. Abba Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for anybody who is listening to this right now, Father. And I, I, I pray that this testimony encourages them, that it edifies them, that it bears witness to the truth of who you are. And what you're able to do for those who trust in you. Father, I, I pray that they begin to have trust in you through the words of these testimonies. That a seed of faith is being planted in their hearts. And that a man or woman of God would come in and water that seed of faith. How do we water the seed of faith? We water it with love. Love is the water for faith. But you bring the increase, Father. So send somebody to water that seed of faith that I just planted with this testimony 
And Father, I pray that you bring increase, that this new life would grow, that you would tend to that new life, that you would prune it, that when the time is ready, that they could bear much good fruit, Lord. I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus. Cancer, go right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, sinus issues uh, with drainage in the throat. The Lord rebukes you. You will flee from this person. He is washing them in his love. Not just the blood, but in the love. He's overwhelming them with the love and removing the sickness right now in the name of Jesus for his glory. Mm. Leg pain. Having trouble getting up and moving. This, this goes right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord rebukes you. All these are lies. I pray blessings for you financially. I pray for strength. I pray for courage. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening, guys. Love you, and have a blessed day. Bye.